just as that video was playing, I was just having a little bit of a giggle to myself. Um, some of the adventures that my father has taken me on, and uh, it, we haven't always seen eye to eye. But uh, but I can tell you what the the, the walk that we've had as a, as a as a father and son has just been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, so, fathers, I encourage you to to take your kids out on an adventure. And um, I mean, some of the things we've we got we've been lost at sea before. We've um, He's, he's taken me in treks into the wilderness and had no idea where we are. I was crying and grizzling. And, but you know, I remember all those things, and they're all fun. And my first mission trip, he, um, he, we, we went on. We, uh, we, got, <laughs> we, uh, we got into a bit of a scrap in, in the hotel rooms. But, but it was great, man. I, I remember all those things. And, and all those, uh, I can never, ever remember a, a, a time in my life where um, he hasn't been there for me or... Uh, hasn't invested something into my life. And I'm so grateful for the, for the, for the time and the energy that he's put into me. And uh, so I encourage you dads, put time and energy into, into young people. And uh, I just want to give a big shout out to some of our youth leaders here tonight. And uh, people like Benji and um, Steve-O and, and, and some of you guys here. Some, you know, Benji, uh, Benji and some of these youth leaders, they, they do things that, fathers should, things that fathers should be doing. And, uh, you know, they, I mean, a lot of our youth come from broken homes. A lot of our youth come from, um, they, well, they don't have fathers or their fathers are not so good to them. But people like Benji here and uh, some of these youth leaders, they're absolutely incredible. They, 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 they put time into them. They take them out. They, they speak into their lives. They take them on adventures. So here's Benji, 21 years old, doing things with teenagers that, uh, uh, but you're going to be a fantastic dad one day. Are you youth leaders? And uh, different ones open, their, open up their homes, Stephen Derwin, uh, different people, they've uh, got a real heart for young people. And uh, you know, you know, one of the things that the world needs today is that is, is, we, don't need, um, uh, we don't need people with uh, all the flashiest great ideas and things like that, but what we need is people that would open up their homes and, and, and love people and share a bit of your life with somebody. And uh, so I'm going to give a big shout out to all fathers tonight and, uh, and uh, we're going to have a great time this evening. Amen. Fantastic evening, uh, fantastic time tonight. I encourage you to pray for Pastor Mike. I encourage you to pray for Bryden as well. Sharon Windus, where's Sharon? Where's Sharon? Sharon Windus, Bryden, get home. He's visiting the orphans right now. Wow. Fantastic. Hey, I just encourage you to, to pray for them. And uh, Bryden's a good man. Bryden and Tim are doing a fantastic work over there. Uh, is it Cambodia? It is Cambodia. I encourage you just to pray for them. Pray for um, Sharon and the family. That God's hand will just be upon their lives. And um, tonight, I just want to—I want to encourage you tonight. Something that uh, I believe God God has really challenged me about. And uh, last time I, I was preaching to a, uh, in fact, last I was, I was, last time I was preaching full stop, I had uh, a dude over here and a dude over here, and they both had uh, both had little short pump action shotguns, and some people had AK-47s, and they were ready to minister the love of God to somebody. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and, and uh, just recently, I, came, I was, took a team to Pakistan, and, uh, and uh, my experience there was just absolutely amazing. And uh, when Dad first, uh, first mentioned the, the opportunity to go to Pakistan, my first words to him, I remember, were this, good luck, have fun. <laughs> and, uh, but as it ended up, I ended up going. And I tell you what, that was been an absolutely life-changing experience. And uh, I went with them, and I, I sort of went with, a, with, with the heart that... Um, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was proudful, but that we had so much to offer. But actually going there and being into that place, and in and, and, and a place of such poverty, uh, I actually found that they had something there that actually I needed. And uh, God touched my life then. And one of the things that impacted me the most was, 
was a young man uh, who's a year older than me, young man. <laughs> he's 36 years of age, and he's bringing revival into, into a nation that, uh, that is uh, consistently war-torn. Every, most weeks you'll read in the paper that there are bombs going off and 35 people get killed here and these people, amount of people get shot and, uh, and all this sort of stuff. But right in the middle of it, there's a young man, 36 years of age, who gave up a career in the government as a secret agent to, uh, to, to, to minister to people. And uh, the one thing that I was uh, profoundly impacted by his life was this, his love for people. And it was not that he, had, um, that he could bring out um, profounding mysteries and, and that he had a whole heap of money and, that, and, and this and that. But one thing that really impacted me the most was this, that he had a heart and love for people. And uh, he gave a, a job away, uh, and, and now he's just living by faith. And at 36 years of age, he has got favor upon his life. He's got favor by, by, uh, by world leaders. He's got favor from the president of the country. He's got favor uh, from all sorts of... All sorts of areas. And as I looked at, looked at those people, as I started to look into their eyes, I thought, my God, our, our world needs people like this. Our, God, our, our nation, our world needs people that will carry the love, the message of Christ to these people. And uh, it was something I was just impacted, uh, and I was just talking to him on the phone last night. And I want to encourage you, let's not get complacent in our walk with God. Let's not get complacent in, in, in what we do in our service of the Lord. Um, you know, there are people here, to, there are people in the world tonight, our fellow brethren, there are people, people in the world this morning, right now, um, uh, we're in a lovely church with nice lights and, and, and good sound system and all that, but there are people in the world today, our brethren, that are being uh, beaten and uh, locked up for their faith. And uh, I encourage you, let's not get complacent about our walk with God. Let's not get complacent about our worship. Let's not get be complacent about reaching our community because at the end of the day, uh, our, our nation will die unless somebody like you reaches them. That is the bottom line. And uh, tonight I want to encourage you, I want to talk to you about, um, about Jesus Christ. I want to give you uh, a message that God placed on my heart this morning. And uh, if you've been around church long enough, you will, you'll, you'll, you'll pick up this phrase that often comes up. Uh, we speak it all the time. And, it's, and it's, uh, the phrase goes like this, that we want more of God. How many people here tonight, you want more of God in your life? Most people here tonight want more of God. Most services we talk about, God, I want more of you in my life. And God, I'm pursuing you. God, give us, I want more of you in my life. More of you. I mean, I, I pray that thing, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but um, I started to think about this. What does it mean to, what am I really saying? What am I really asking when I say, God, I want more of you in my life? Let me ask you the question. What would that look like for you to have more of God inside of your life? How would that look? I mean, we can pray to the cows come home to, to God, give it, Lord, I want more of you in my life. But what does that look like? How do we know when we have more of God in our life? How can we measure that? How can we, how can we measure the increase? How do we measure that we've grown in that? What does it look like to have more of God in our life? And uh, I felt God put, on this, put the scripture in my heart this morning. And uh, the scripture is found in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. And how many people got your Bibles with you this evening? Fantastic. It's the Word of God. Powerful thing. If you don't have your Bible, we've got, a, we've got one here for you. You'll see it up on the computer screen. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 15, uh, verse 17, it says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth and height. And in verse 19, it says this, And to know the love of Christ. Everybody say the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. Say passes all knowledge. 
passes all knowledge. So, so in verse 9, to, to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Everybody say, all the fullness of God. When I read that phrase, all the fullness of God, I thought to myself, I want that. That's exactly what I've been praying for. When I stand up and say, God, I want more of you. That's what I want. I want the, all of the fullness of God inside of my life. How many people here tonight, you want all of the fullness of God inside of your life? Fantastic. And uh, so I started to ask myself some questions. What would that look like inside of my life? What would, what would it look like? How do I get more of, uh, more of God? How do I get the fullness of God in my life? And uh, I mean, when you think about God, God is fantastic. God is, uh, God is amazing. You know, sometimes I, um, I, go to the, uh, I go to the top of the mountains in the middle of the night, and uh, I sit up right up above, way up above the city and look out, and I look up into the universe and, and just see the shooting stars and things like that. And I thought, man, we serve an awesome God. And I want more of God in my life. And so I found as I started to read this verse, uh, that you may be filled with all the, all the fullness of God. I believe that God wants to fill you tonight with his presence. I, want, I believe that tonight God wants you to walk in the fullness of his presence. But what we need to do is, what does that look like? How do we know if somebody is walking, walking in the fullness of God? And I, believe, I do believe that it is a journey. I do believe that it is a process. But I do believe it is something that we can look at, something that we can observe, something that we can experience and, and, and specifically grow. Because when you say, uh, I want more of you in my life, it's a very, it's a very broad statement. It's a very, um, it's a very wide statement. And uh, it could mean a lot of things. For some people, it's more power. More power in my life. More of this, more of that. More of this. If I had this, then I'll I'll know that I have more of God. How will you know if you have more of God inside of your life? How will you know if you walk in the fullness of Christ? And uh, I'm sure if we look at it, we can come up with a number of reasons. We can come up with a number of scenarios that would give us an indication that we have more of God or more of the fullness of Christ in our life. But I, but I believe tonight it's a lot more simpler than that. And tonight, I don't want to give you half a dozen keys on how you can get more of God inside of your life and how you can walk more in the fullness. Because we'll probably forget them all anyway. But tonight, I only want to give you three keys of how you can have the fullness of God inside. They're not, they're not everything, but they are three main keys that if you just have these inside of your life, you will grow in the fullness of God. You will grow into the things that God has for you. Now, when I was in Pakistan, I, 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 I experienced something of the fullness of Christ. And, uh, and it was not complex. It wasn't a great power buzz. It wasn't anything like that. It was something that touched my heart. And uh, three things. And the first one I've, I've got down is this. First of all, we've got to receive Jesus Christ into our heart. I mean, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? That is, that, that is not a... a, a a great statement of revelation, but it actually says it in the Bible uh, here that in verse 17, that Christ, first of all, may dwell in your heart. If you want to live in the fullness of God, if you want to live in all that he has for your life, first of all, you've actually got to ask Jesus Christ into your life. Some of you here today, tonight, maybe you're searching for God. Maybe you're, you're at a stage in your life where you are, you're not satisfied. You're, maybe you're in a place of your life that... Uh, but you're searching for, for something that would fill your life. Maybe you look, you've been looking at alcohol. Maybe you've look been looking at all the wrong things, but nothing has filled your life as, as, as you would have expected it to. Many people will search their whole lives trying to find something that will fill that void inside of their life. And the only person that can fill that void is Jesus Christ. Tonight, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, but you've been searching for something to fill that void, I can tell you today that Jesus Christ 
and you allow him to come into your life, he can fill that void inside of your life. You can have a part, you can have the starting, the most precious starting of having the fullness of God just by receiving Jesus Christ into your life. You're here tonight, you never received Jesus. I would encourage you to invite him into your heart. I mean, I've I've tasted the world, the things of the world, and uh, you know, there was nothing that the world can offer that can satisfy that desire in my heart. When I stood in front of all those 10,000 Pakistanis, and some of them, man, they had diseases that I've never even heard of. There was something inside of my heart. And I looked at the fact when when some of them started to praise and some of them started to worship three hours later in, in 45 degrees, I was thinking, man, these guys have something of the fullness of God. Mate, we, we, we may have the flashing lights and, and, and this and that and fantastic, but there was an element there of the fullness of Jesus Christ, and only Jesus Christ can fill that. They, they didn't have nothing. They, they, they didn't even have any seats to sit on, but yet they had something of the fullness of Christ. They had something of the fullness of God. And even though that I have a lovely home, I have a lovely car, I have lovely things to play with, they did not satisfy what they, and, and I thought, man, I need more of Jesus Christ in my life. So I started to question, how do I get more of that? How do I get more of Jesus Christ inside? How do I get more of the fullness of Christ? Because I've already, I have received Jesus Christ into my life. And there has been a, a, you know, a filling of that emptiness in there. But there's still more. There is still more. And, uh, you know, we can seek fantastic revelation. We can seek this. We can seek that. But there's key elements that if you do not have in your life, uh, you will miss out on all of the fullness of God. The Bible says here, and, and the next thing it says that, that, that Christ may dwell in your heart. So the first thing, to have more of God inside of your life. First of all, you've got to have Jesus Christ. Secondly, um, um, you've got to have, you receive Jesus by faith. The other one, the, the next one in, in 19, verse 19, it says to know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. The love of Christ is absolutely everything. Never underestimate the power of the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he walked on this earth, the thing that, that, that compelled him the most was a love for people. The thing, if you want to have a, a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to have more of the fullness of God inside of your life, you must experience, you must know, not just up in here, but you've got to know the love of God inside of your life. You've got to know the love of Jesus Christ inside of your heart. And for so many people, because uh, of broken relationships with their fathers, they, cannot, they, they have trouble comprehending that because they think, you know, if I've done something wrong and there's part of my life that is not right, uh, if God knew about it, which he does anyway, uh, he would not accept me. Friends, I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life, doesn't matter what you're suffering with right now, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what's going on inside here. If the, the love of Christ, the love of Jesus Christ is more stronger than whatever you've struggled with, whatever you've done. Jesus Christ, his love can touch that. His love can break through anything that you've tried to, uh, uh, tried to fill your life with. And um, I know when... Um, when I was a young man, I, I'm still a young man, <laughs> and uh, you know there was times in my life where my dad should have really, man, he should have really whipped me big time, <laughs> really bad. In fact, he should have just got a bull whip out and given me a darn good hiding. And uh, but you know what, he didn't. And uh, he, I, I, I love guns, and I um, yeah, I really love guns. I love going out and shooting things and stuff like that. And uh, one, one, one day I, I, I came home, you know, I came home at like about four o'clock in the morning and, um, and I was really, really tired and I just, I had, had a room by myself in the corner of the house, but the room was used as a thoroughfare, like you had an outside, 
So people could, could just go through the room, just go through my bedroom, and go out the, out the door and go out to the back house. So it was, it was, it was my bedroom, but it was also that, the, the Connell household thoroughfare. And um, I remember coming home one night, and uh, I, I, I put my shotgun uh, under my bed, just under, under my blankets. And um, I just, yeah, it was just, I don't know why I did it. Maybe I was just tired anyway. But anyway, I, I put this thing there, and I had no idea, man, that was loaded. I had no idea, but... And uh, I, I thought I'd done due diligence, but I was only just a young kid anyway. And uh, anyway, I came home one day with my mate, and we drove up the driveway, and uh, there was my dad on the roof, <laughs> right above my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, you can see where this is going. And uh, I said, Dad, what are you doing? And uh, he said, I'm fixing a hole. <laughs> and you know, at that point, you think, go I had that sinking feeling. I am in big, big, big trouble. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I said, how did the hole get there? Uh, shock, and he said, uh, I thought, man, I'd better stay in this car and keep driving. <laughs> I do not want to come home. I have been trouble. I have done something really, really bad. And uh, as it worked out that, uh, yes, I'd done a stupid thing and uh, left this gun in the, in the room. And, of course, my brothers and sisters... He said, just come and love playing with the toys in my room. And one of them found this. I don't know how they found it in my bed anyway. But anyway, they found it in my bed, and, um, and they pulled it out and started playing with it. And uh, my brother sort of pointed up like this and said, oh, wouldn't it be funny if it was loaded and pulled the trigger? Kaboom! And it went off, and there was a, smashed a hole straight through my ceiling and straight through the roof. You could lie on my bed and see daylight. And, uh, man, I was in trouble. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, at that point there, I just knew that my dad, I, I just had this thing, man, I'm going to feel some pain. <laughs> I'm going to, I am so certain that I'm going to have that thing wrapped around my head. And, uh, but you know, my dad never really said much after that. He just, uh, there were consequences, but he never beat me. He never, he never, um, he never whacked me with it or anything like that. He should have, he could have, he was well within his right to, but he didn't. And, uh, but what he did, there were consequences and all that. But uh, the point I'm getting to you is this, that God is not a God. God does get angry when we sin, yes. But he is not a God that will beat us. And he is a God of mercy. And, and in my experience with my own father, that even when I should have been beaten sometimes, he didn't and showed me mercy. And uh, there are so many, I can think countless amount of times in my life where he has shown me mercy and, uh, and he has shown me love. There were always consequences. There were, there were some tough love shown at times. But one of the things I have grown up is this, that I've experienced, the, uh, as I was, uh, have experienced the love that my own father has shown, I've also experienced the love of God. Because all of us will stuff up at some point. All of us will stuff up and make mistakes sometime. And it's when we make those mistakes, what happens then? And, and, and what will happen is that our, our, our conscience gets seared and, uh, and it tries to separate us from our relationship with God. Because most of the time, the back, thing in the back of our mind is, how will God treat me? When I stuff up, whatever, and we all do that. We all make mistakes. We all do dumb things. But most of the time, we ask ourselves, how will God treat me? How will God, will he still accept me? Will he still love me? Just as I, uh, the hole appeared in my, um, in my, my roof, uh, my dad said, you're still my son. <laughs> learn, from your, learn from your mistakes, boy. Learn from it. You're still my son. I still love you. Just don't do, ever do that again. <laughs> or I will... <laughs> I will put that somewhere. 
The thing is this, we're going, to learn to, we're going to learn to understand, we're going to learn to experience the love of God. And maybe you're here today and your own father hasn't been so good to you. Friends, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you and speak into your heart and say to you, my friend, my Jesus Christ will never, ever be angry with you. He will never whip you like that. He will never uh, speak bad of you. He will never condemn you. My friend today, the Bible says that Jesus, the love of Christ uh, passes all knowledge, it passes all understanding. And there's nothing wrong with understanding because we have to have an understanding of God. We have to, we, we have, to have a, uh, an element of knowledge in our lives. But more than knowledge, we've got to understand and experience the love of God. Friends, I can tell you this, that, that love, uh, that, that knowledge does not match up to the love of Christ. It, 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 you've got to have it, but it doesn't compare to it. We've got to have knowledge, but there's, there's something that surpasses knowledge. There, a lot of people know a lot of things. I know a lot of things, but... Uh, but actually, I'd rather have the love of Jesus Christ in my life. And uh, so many times we can, we can puff ourselves up, we can puff our spirituality up by our, our knowledge of things, but actually it's the love of Christ within us that touches people's life. Yes, have knowledge, yes, have understanding, but have the love of Christ in your life. So first thing, first we've got to receive Jesus Christ. Secondly, we've got to know and experience the love of Jesus Christ. And, and in doing that, we've got to release that to people. Friends, you can't, when you've experienced the love of Jesus Christ, when you know it in the bottom of your heart, if you, if you, truly, you truly know it, you cannot help but release it to other people. If you do not release that love of, that love of Christ to others, uh, I don't believe that you really have experienced or, or appreciated that. And uh, you know when I was standing in front of all these Pakistanis, and I laid hands on some of these people, they had diseases that yeah, I've never even heard of before. And weeping sores, but when I stood in front of these people, the thing that compelled me the most was this, that these people were precious to God. And if, and, and if Jesus was, was gracious enough to reach out his hand and send somebody to me, then, man, I've got to be gracious enough to reach out and put my hands on somebody, some of these people. And, um, you know, what does it mean? What does the love of Christ look like? What does that look like? You know, we look in, the, we look in Mark chapter 1 about the man with the leprosy. And uh, somebody had leprosy that, uh, you know, they said it was a contagious disease that there was no cure for. And uh, they had to ring this little bell to keep everybody away. And uh, because there was a, uh, what would happen if you touched somebody, that would, uh, it's possible that they could also get uh, leprosy. And it was a very unclean disease. So, so people had leprosies to keep these bells and, and, and ring them, say, keep away, keep away, keep away, unclean. There was no cure. What would happen is when this disease got a hold of somebody's life, um, it would just start off as a little spot and start to eat and destroy the flesh. And eventually, eventually it would start to spread and spread. And, and, and they would start to feel, that they would start to lose their capacity to feel. They'd start to, they'd start to lose their, uh, their capacity of touch, their ability to be able to feel things. And eventually they would, they, they would start to rot and fall off and, and things like that. And eventually it got to a point where somebody could no longer hide it. You can imagine that... Uh, if you've got leprosy for the first time, how you'll try and cover that spot, how you'll try and cover that, because you know that the day it was found out that you had this leprosy, you would be considered an outcast. That leprosy was a death sentence. Once you got leprosy, you were as good as dead. And so many people here today, and what happens is this leprosy would start to spread, and people would, for the best, of they, the best that they could, would try and cover it and, uh, and try and hold it. But they got separated from society. They had to live outside of the city. And uh, so all their dreams, all their hopes, all their desires would have been gone. No longer would have they been able to f experience the, uh, the touch of another person. And, uh, you know, there were two senses. Uh, in, in, uh, 
the, the capacity to feel, the capacity to, uh, of touch is the first, first, uh, first sense a person experiences, and it's also the last one. That, and so the, the, the sensation of touch is most important on a person's life. So when a person had leprosy, no longer could they feel, no longer could they experience intimacy, no longer could they feel the embrace of a person. They had leprosy, they were, they were going to die, and they were going to die a miserable death. Friends, today, we don't necessarily have um, leprosy, physical leprosy today, but many of us have this leprosy of our heart. And uh, man, we're so good and so clever at trying to cover these spots of leprosy in our life sometimes. And, uh, you know, I've had areas of leprosy in my life which I've tried to cover. You try and cover it with, uh, we're so creative at trying to cover things. We're so clever at trying to cover this and that. Sometimes we cover it in business. Sometimes we cover it in education. Sometimes we try and cover it with our, with our projection of spirituality. Sometimes we try and cover it with this or, or material possessions or the way we dress. But eventually it comes to a point where that leprosy starts to spread. The Bible says that this man, he was full of leprosy. He was an outcast of society. And you know, the, the Bible says that he came running to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you're willing, uh, if you're willing, would you touch me and make me, would you, would, you, would you make me clean? And I don't believe in any way they expected the touch of Jesus, but Jesus did this. Jesus said these words, I am willing, and he reached out his hand and he touched that person. Friend, that, that is the most amazing thing, uh, it's one of the most incredible things about Jesus, that to a person who is a, who's an outcast of society, to a person who has this leprosy, that Jesus would press past every, um, every barrier, every, every um, pressure that would try and hold him back. I don't want to touch that. It's bad. But he reached out his hand and touched the man. You know, all of us, to a certain extent, have this leprosy inside of our life. All of us, to a certain extent, will have this thing that can, um, that, that can eat away. And uh, I want to tell you today that the love of Jesus Christ wants to touch that. It doesn't matter how far that leprosy, it doesn't matter how, how bad it looks in your life. It does not matter. God, Jesus is not afraid of that. Does it? Jesus is not afraid of those things that you are carrying in your life. Jesus is not afraid of that shame that you are carrying. Jesus is not afraid of that rejection. For some of you here today, your own fathers may have done some terrible, terrible things to you, and you've carried this pain, and it's been like a leprosy that's eating away at your soul. Friends, Jesus Christ is not afraid to touch that part of your life. For some of you here, you've, uh, you've, you've done some terrible things, and uh, you, you know, you're carrying the shame of that. Friend, I can tell you today that Jesus Christ is not afraid to touch that part. He said to the leper's man, oh, I'm willing, and reached out his hand and touched that man. That, my friend, is a demonstration of the love of Jesus Christ. Now, it comes to this. All of us, at some stage or another, will be either in the shoes of Jesus Christ or will be in the shoes of the leper's man. If you're a Christian here today, if you invited Jesus Christ into your life, if, you've, if you have his presence inside of you, uh, there is a very, there's a very good reason why he came into your life. Very, very good reason. It's so that you can be his hands, that you can be his feet, that you can be his, mouth, his mouthpiece. So in, in the case of the leper's man, it's, yes, Jesus touched him, but when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, now you become that person that is the hand that reaches out to touch the people of leprosy. So maybe you're here today and uh, you have Jesus Christ living inside of your life. Friend, I would encourage you this, that our nation, our community is filled with people that have leprosy. Our people, our, 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 our friends, our family, our, our school friends are crowded with, with people that have leprosy. 
And then one of the things that I've made a commitment to do is this, that I like hanging around with good people. <laughs> I like hanging around with nice people that nicely dressed, that don't stink, that have good jobs, that have money, things like that. I like hanging around with people like that. They're not really a drag on me. But I have made a commitment in my heart to do this, that I've built a network of friends, um, and they are made up of rat bags, uh, thieves, uh, fraudsters. Some of them really stink. <laughs> some of them smell really bad. Some of them, man, they do some crazy, crazy things. And uh, they're of different ages, they're of different uh, ethnicity, they're all from different backgrounds. But, you know, I was sitting at a party with some of these guys the other day, and, uh, you know, I just thought, God, I thank you that you've placed me uh, in this place to reach these people. And I, can, I like enjoying, I enjoy many nice people, but something, the love of God inside of me compelled. I could see the leprosy inside these people. And I thought, Jesus, thank you so much for touching my heart. Thank you for touching the leprosy in me. Now, Lord, let me be your mouthpiece to these people. Not just the nice people, but the, really, the people that really stink. Let me be the ones that, let me be the one that reaches out my hand and touches these people. And uh, as I stood up in, in the stage in Pakistan and, and, and looked at some of these people that had AIDS and cancer and all sorts of various weeping sores, and I'll tell you, there was something that touched my heart. And I got off that stage and I thought, man, if Jesus Christ can touch that person with leprosy, then I, I will too. And so I got off that stage and started to pray and to minister to people. And, and as a result, I saw 4,000 Muslims saved and the most incredible miracles. But as a result, you know, we have people here in our community. They need you to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. But first of all, we must experience the love of Jesus Christ ourselves. Amen. First thing, you want to grow in the fullness of God. Three real simple points. Firstly, receive Jesus Christ. Secondly, grow and, and experience the love of Christ for yourself. Get inside of your heart the love of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, grow in the knowledge of him. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus was the word that became flesh. So if you want more of Jesus, you want more of God inside of your life? Jesus was this, that just got arms and legs and a mouthpiece and started to reach out and touch people. So we can have lots of revelation and lots of good ideas and lots of, I mean, I can stand into your preacher a message that will uh, dazzle you, but useless unless you put arms and legs on it. And uh, you and I are called to be the Word of God with arms and legs on us. Amen? So all of us are going to have to be in a, if Jesus could, uh, could come into this earth and touch the leper's man and uh, touch you and touch me, then surely you and I can find in our heart to reach out and touch our community. Amen? 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 Come on, one more time. Amen? So I encourage you, you want more of God inside of your life? He said, you could probably have it four points, actually. Uh, receive Jesus Christ. Experience the love of God. Get an understanding. Start to read the Word. Because, like I said, Jesus, He was God. He was, he was the Son of God. He was, he was the Word that became flesh. And uh, so, if you want more of God inside of your life, then, then read the Bible and apply it to your life. It's, it's not rocket science. It's not dazzling revelation or anything like that. Very, very simple. And why don't we just stand to our feet right now?